Comrades, welcome to the class tonight, People's School for Marxist Leninist Studies, on the Communist Party Manual on Organization J. Peters. This is extremely important. It was written in 1935. It's the way all communist cells, units, clubs operate, have always operated. Anything other than this is usually not the way a party operates, except if they're under occupation, under fascism, then there's a different way of operating. But out in the open, as a legitimate party, this is the way we've been operating with this book. Tonight, we're going to be talking about how a club meets, how the meeting of a club is prepared. We should learn a lot from this. How an agenda is set up by the club. Now, the wording may be different, but it's the same meaning. The Peters book uses the word unit. Other groups use the word cell. We use the word club today. So on page 64, how is a unit meeting prepared? And it says, the club executive, they call it a bureau, but we call it a club executive, is the one that gets ready for the club and creates the agenda. It adapts the general campaign of the party to the situation in the neighborhood or the territory or the shop. The exec presents proposals to the club membership with a thorough explanation by one member of the club exec. Now, very important question. There's a discussion, democratic centralism. The plans or policies that are presented by the club exec, are they binding on the membership? The answer is no. The membership will discuss the report of the club exec, and they will decide, by democratic vote, the policy or activity by a majority vote, accepting amending or rejecting proposals of the club exec. Club educationals, which we used to do in my old club many years ago, which we haven't been doing at all. How should a club agenda order of business be drawn up? And they divide it into points. The first point should always be a well-prepared discussion on a certain actual political, political problem for example, if you live in a city and the city of government wants to put through a sales tax, the club assigns somebody to give an educational on that sales tax. The meaning of it, how it would affect the workers in general, how it would affect the people in the area, how it would affect the shop. Then they will give concrete proposals as to how to mobilize the workers in that area. The next point on the agenda, on page 65 on the top, should be a checkup of assignments. The club membership as a whole should always know not only whether a comrade carries out his responsibility and his assignment, but also should discuss the experiences of that individual in carrying out the assignments. The next point on a club agenda should be a plan of activity for the next week. Now, the reason why they say next week is when this book was written, clubs were meeting every week. We have then, over the years, because the responsibilities became so large, we made it every two weeks. Some of us were lucky if we meet once a month, a club, face-to-face. -face. But it should be every week or every two weeks at least. The next point should be the plan of activity for the coming week, as I was saying and with a proper evaluation of the work of the past week. 
How many members were recruited? Recruiting has to be discussed at every club meeting. The problem of recruiting must be raised. Who recruited? What members recruited? And through what activities did they recruit from? How many and through what activities do we intend to recruit in the next week? And the next point on the agenda should be problems of the mass organization. Every club meeting should be discussed their involvement in mass organizations, if they're involved with MPD, if they're involved with Labor Today, maybe United, if they're involved, two or three comrades, if they're a member of the local NAACP or whatever, whatever the mass organization is, tenants organization, whatever. That should be discussed by the club. The next point should be the problem of the worker. Distribution, writing articles, building circulation. The next thing is literature. Literature distribution is a basic part of every activity of the club. This question should therefore be taken up in connection with every item on the agenda. For example, if the club prepares a political discussion for the next club meeting, the question of literature with which our comrades can properly prepare themselves must be brought up then and there. If the question is one of organizing a campaign of the party, mass organizations, house-to-house -house canvassing, or a street meeting, the distribution of suitable literature must receive its rightful place in the discussion of the problem in the assignments given to the comrades. This checkup of assignments includes a checkup on the method of selling, selling, not giving out, selling literature, how much was sold, how it was received by the workers, what questions were raised when people read the literature, and what further literature is needed in order to clarify questions raised. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to open it up for questions only on what we just discussed. So as you mentioned, this was written at a time when the party had tens of thousands of active committed members and the U.S. population was probably a third smaller than it is now. I think a lot of their clubs would have been concentrated in large industrial areas, etc. I believe Lenin divided the growth of a party in three or different four stages. Like he called it a propaganda cell when it's just really small and something else, something else. I mean, a party of a couple dozen members that are all spread out the country couldn't possibly do this stuff. So my question is, how do you temper this to a group the size of the PC today? It can't be done exactly the same way, I don't think. Thanks. The way of doing things does not change how small or big you are. That actually helps you to grow rather than saying that because we are not as big, we cannot do. This is about methodology. This is about how we should do things. Whether you have six people in the club or two people in the club, the discipline of operating it is the same way. The effectiveness may change, but I agree what she said, methodology. The method that we're doing it is the same way that the clubs were done in other parts of the world, including in the 20s, in that period when the party was first started in all the countries of the world. It was still done the same way. 
So the amount, we may not be able to cover all the issues, but for a small number, I'll give you an example. We have literature. Our problem is distributing the literature to the membership. How many parties do not have literature? Ask yourself that question. How many parties today in 2018 do not have literature to distribute to their people? A lot of them. They strictly use the Internet. We go out and we have to have tables set up. He's going to set up a table. He needs a flag. He's one person. One person in an area. It would be better if there were three, of course. But one person can be the beginning. And we're not in a period as they were in Lenin's time where they were in a revolutionary period. I think everyone in this phone call would agree that's not where we're in now. So in a certain way, it would definitely be important for us to be disciplined so that when a revolutionary period comes, we would have to operate differently. Let's go on. The next thing is important, dues. The dues payment should take place before the meeting opens. Now, in our case, the financial secretary of each club should report to the club executive meetings about the dues payments and should prepare a report, a written report, on this problem at least once a month for the membership. Then it says, if the points on the agenda are well prepared, that's the key word, well prepared, and the proposals are concrete, a club meeting could easily be finished, listen to this, in no more than two and a half hours. It should basically be, depending on the number of people in the club and their agenda, a normal club meeting that's face-to-face -face should be two hours. If you're an hour and 10 minutes, 15 minutes, for a smaller group, that's okay. Next thing, it's called the group system. We vaguely talked about it on our phone conferences. This is the division of the membership of the club into smaller groups on the basis of where they live. For example, if a person lives in a certain territory and there's a number of blocks away in a small town, the four or five comrades living nearest to each other are organized into one group. The next five or six comrades near each other should be in another group. Now, we have to take that and fit it to our situation of districts. The person who's the district leader should have the district divided into certain areas and other people should take the responsibility of calling one or two people in their area that's closest to them. The best developed comrade in the group is the group leader. The group leader is not elected, N-O-T. They are appointed by the club exec. What is the task of the group captain? To keep his group together. Very simple. To keep his group together. To see to it that every member in the group attends club meetings. If one fails to appear at the club, the group leader must find out the reason. Haven't we been doing that? Asking that if people cannot make a meeting, we want to know why. It's not acceptable I can't make the meeting on Tuesday night. You'll have to give a reason. This is a Bolshevik way of working. The club leader must collect dues and bring assignments to those who cannot come to the club meeting. If there are senior citizens and they're not able to come, we can't just dismiss them and say, well, they can't go out in the street and distribute literature or the paper 
So forget about them. No, that's not the way communists work. According to this, we must bring to them literature and find out ways they can distribute it and get the dues from them also. Should the club exec consist of a group captain? Listen to the answer. No, it should not consist of just the group captain. The club exec consists of the best developed comrades in the club, even if they live in the same neighborhood or the same building. The group leaders must be selected from among the members of the group. Have groups any independent function in the unit? No. If they did, they would begin the beginning of a faction. They are organized for the purpose of keeping the membership together solely and making it easier quickly to mobilize the party and the mass organizations as well. I'm going to stop right there and open it up for questions. Even though this may sound harsh or disciplinary, but it is not. It is the interest of all of us as communists to have that kind of, for me, I call it love of society and communism and our struggle. I'm going to go on now to page 68. Look at the headline. Why are members overburdened with work? And how can we change the situation? We've always had this problem, and yet we rose to great heights. Generally, in our party, the members work to such an extent that they have very little time for reading or recreation. Can you believe that? 1935. The main reason for this overburdening of our members is that the details of every action, activity, are carried out by party members and party members only. Now, when they had 10,000 comrades, they still had this problem. At the same time, we have exceptional cases in some clubs where certain members of the club, because of their lack of understanding of political problems, are not as active as the other people in the club. And the club is forced to throw more and more work on the other members of the club. To change the situation, which in many cases results in losing members from the party. Why? Because they're burnt out. We have to find ways and means of distributing the work equally, not only among the party members, but also among fellow travelers, sympathizers around the party clubs and in the mass movement. If every party member were assigned to persuade and enlist five or six members in the shop or the neighborhood to help him or her carry out these tasks, many burning organizational problems would be on the way to solution. This would bring us more results, more prospective party members from among active workers and would develop every party member as an organizer for certain activities of the workers. Isn't that what the definition of a cadre is? Why cannot we, in going from house to house, in signatures during election campaigns, or selling literature 
from house to house, which we're not doing yet, or getting subscriptions to our newspaper, or collecting money for the paper, or in some other party campaign, why can they draw in sympathetic workers? Why should we not give them responsibility if they are willing to take it? And they are. Why shouldn't we trust them with our literature? Why shouldn't the shop clubs enlist sympathetic workers to help print and finance a shop paper? The burden now is carried by party members that would be distributed among more workers, leaving more time for the party members to study, to read, to make friends, and carry on personal agitation. That's interesting statement. That involves everyone on tonight's phone call. Everyone that took the time to call up tonight to participate. This is talking to them. It's not talking to the leaders of the party. They're already doing a lot. It's talking to other members of the party who are on the periphery of the party that in order to take the burden of work of some of the party cadre who are doing so much. Just take one responsible position and do that. And some of us have been doing that, i got to be honest. On the league phone calls, on the district phone calls, people have been doing that. I've noticed that. How do we organize the membership to carry out decisions of the party? First of all, every important decision must come only after a thorough discussion in the club. Thorough is the key term. If the club members understand why certain steps must be taken by the party, what the facts in a given situation are which demand the outlined policy, what the perspective of the party are regarding this action, then the organization and the mobilization of party members for carrying out the decision will be much easier. And then it has a but. In assigning members to certain work, the club leadership must know everything about the members, about how we have to know more about the problems of our members. Everybody who has had experience with me knows that I try to do that. We all got to try to do that. Consideration must be given, the key term, consideration, among other things, to what mass organizations this or that member belongs to, what assignments or posts he or she has, what personal life they have, do they have children, do they have parents they're taking care of, ability, desire for certain tasks, some of them interested in certain tasks, how long are they in the party? If we know our membership and the members know the problems and the tasks of the club, then the club leadership will not have much trouble in organizing the work. This can be done in the following ways. The club leadership must bring these proposals to the club meeting where the decision is made. The member, before a decision is made, has the right to express his or her opinion about their ability. So this is an old idea. This goes way back. Or state reasons why they cannot or should not be assigned to that given work. One of them, of course, is security of their job. But after the club meeting 
decides on the assignment, that club member must carry it out, as long as they have the opportunity to explain why they should not be able to do it. And if the club leadership is compassionate and understands this, they will make the right decision. In better functioning clubs, where the leadership is thoroughly acquainted with their members, there is no necessity for discussing on an individual assignment, because we already know our people. The older people I'm working with, I don't mean older age, but the people I've been working with for a while and now party, I know their positions now, and I know what they can and cannot do. But the new members, it's hard to get involved with finding out where their weaknesses or strengths are. The club leadership makes the assignment, and if the individual member asks to be excused for one reason or another, and the bureau, that's the term they use then, let's say the district leadership does not agree to release them, only then is the question brought up at the meeting where other people can put in their two cents. We should always have in mind that the most disillusioning effect on a new member is created by constant squabbling. You hear that? Constant squabbling about assignments. People who are new want to come to an organization that has some semblance of order. They don't want to hear squabbling about assignments. Short, decisive reports on the division of work, which take into account the situation and the ability, the ability, remember the Marxist phrase, from each according to their ability, of each individual member will change the situation. Now I'm going to open that up for discussion. I think when it comes to setting up a club, when you're meeting with your comrades, really ask them, like, what are you good at? Do you know how to type? Are you good at organization? I think it's about finding what your comrades are good at and make a position in the club for them. So it'll give them that fire to keep doing party work. Thank you. I can see how these are pretty logical steps. The main thing is making sure even distribution of work between party members and a distribution of literature can really help our party grow. I'm really looking forward to learning more and helping out here. I'm wondering how you get people who are not party members or not club members to participate, to shoulder the burden of getting things done, like distributing literature, etc. You'll meet people who, for whatever reason, want to help, but they don't want to join. At this point in their life, you'll meet those kind of people. I know three of them in New York. So you just take them for what they're willing to do at this point in their development. I find the Peters book to be very fascinating because it reinforces that the struggles that we have today, they're nothing new. They had them before, and they were able to overcome them, and they were very successful. So successful that we're having this conversation because we're no longer working 12 to 16 hours a day. I enjoy the book, and I think it makes for a informative read. Okay, next week we're going to continue... We're going to be talking about the worker, the main instrument of the clubs for reaching people. We cannot talk to everybody, but we can distribute a paper if it has that position. I want to thank you, and I look forward to next week also. Thank you. Good night, Cameron.
Thank you for watching this full-length class from the People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies. For more information, or if you're interested in attending classes, visit our website, check out our YouTube channel, or email info at psmls.org.